Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose, and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted a grip and imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard Ryan Gable, and you are listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here 
on the Fringe FM. Five nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday here on the Fringe.fm. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Or find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. When I went to bed last night, there wasn't much going on here in Rochester, New York, but I did hear a number of gunshots again, and as I laid in bed last night, I heard, and I'm not exaggerating, it was pretty incredible, I heard a neighbor of mine, who I've never met before, screaming on the phone for what felt like an hour or more. And what she was screaming about was how white people are racist, unbelievable, and that if white people don't support Black Lives Matter, it makes them racist and bigots. And I'm laying there thinking, I don't have any clue who this woman is. I've lived next to these people for about a year. I'm not committing some kind of hate crime, and yet... Everything that's happening today has stirred up actual racism in people that feel as if they are oppressed in some manner. And it's led to, that's two days in a row now, I was taking a walk on Monday and a black guy started hassling me. Never happened before in a year here in Rochester. It's, a, in my opinion, a horrible city. It's disgusting. It's a really disgusting dirty city for a lot of different reasons, but I've never had any problem with anybody here. But after the race riots, and that's exactly what they are, staged for the most part, they happened, but organized. And someone was harassing me, and then I'm laying in bed last night, and this woman is like screaming on the phone, these white people, these racist white people, just like screaming for like an hour. And it was, it was just... The feeling I got was, I got to get out of the city. I can't stay in a city anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to move a little bit out into the country, away from, at least away from Rochester, or I guess anywhere I, I end up. I, I don't want to be in the city anymore. I mean, things are, it's not that you can't go outside. I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm just saying that these, these are things that normally don't happen. And, and, and now I'm hearing like, outspoken aggression against white people. Although, uh, when I tell people, actually, I have a lot of Native American in me, the last person I told that said, well, you look white, whatever that means, but you look white, so that makes you a racist. And they just don't understand the definition of racism. But we talked about all of that last night here on the show. Under my umbrella, the hate you manufacture... And the show that we do on a subject like that, we do, you know, a couple a year when something comes up, if there's some kind of protest or, you know, whatever the case might be, we, we do a show like that. And when we talk about a subject like this, I feel as if it's my duty to present you, and it is my duty to present you, balanced, accurate, documented information, not 
like opinion, not some fact that's missing context, but just raw information. And of course, when you have belief systems to defend and we cannot have an open discussion, it's, it's very difficult to have that so-called talk about racism. I don't, I don't know if you saw that woman on the plane it's in the news and she's there's a Southwest flight and she's walking to the back of the plane and she saw this guy reading a book about racism and he was a white guy. She sat down and talked to him and it turns out it was the CEO of American Airlines, I think it was. Why the CEO of American Airlines is flying on Southwest, I don't know. But it was all about how this white executive is reading this book about racism and he's struggling to get through it because he's learning about how evil he is as a white man. It was just, it's just these articles are just disgusting. It's not even, it's not even news anymore. It hasn't been for a long time, but I saw that today. And then, you know, I saw this crap about (laughs) this, this story right here is just, this really is unbelievable. This story is from Yahoo News in the UK. And as of 1130 AM yesterday, there was a change to a law that was introduced that bans two people from different households in England gathering in an indoor private place during the coronavirus lockdown. And (laughs) they're uh, basically telling people that no person from outside your household can come to your household, you cannot go to their household, and you cannot have sex with someone who lives outside of your household. It's kind of interesting because everything we've seen from the coronavirus, quote-unquote, pandemic was that sperm transfers the virus, so don't have sex. Then they're telling men to take estrogen. I mean, these are like New York Times articles. You can look these up. They're on the website at thesecretteachings.info under the top news section. And now there's an article here about, and this is a a law in the UK, they're, they're telling people that they don't want them to go over to each other's houses. They don't want people to be intimate with each other. If you think about it, it really is the elimination of the orgasm from the classic book 1984. And the elimination of the orgasm and the spirit and the soul and the energy of that is further detrimental to the human experience, which that problem then is further compounded by everything we've seen from the coronavirus pandemic, having to wear masks, which as far as I'm concerned, and we've read all the medical literature from JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, to the British Medical Journal, the BMJ, all of them, including the World Health Organization, which I don't trust at all anyway, but all of them saying you shouldn't wear a mask unless you're healthy. I shared my story of... uh, part-time job I have, I had to get a constitutional lawyer to uh, get the management to see that it was illegal to force someone to wear a mask when it's demonstrated that mask wearing in general, I also have a little bit of a breathing problem because of of a childhood condition, nothing severe, it's gotten a lot better, but most people, even if they're healthy, can't breathe in the damn thing, so it's restricting airflow, you wear it all day. And uh, finally, there was a resolution to this 
and uh, the, the, the business I work at, they printed out some talking points for customers. And it was basically all the talking points I had been giving management for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks about why the mask is not good. And I, I got the paper right here. I got a copy of it at work, and it said, there are too many legal risks for the store to decide who is not allowed in the store or not related or not in or not uh, allowed in the store related to mask usage. It's not the role of the store to take responsibility for customers. They must decide on that risk for themselves. Yeah, they, they, it is the customer's responsibility. It's not my responsibility. And yeah, there are a lot of legal ramifications. There's like seven or eight talking points here that we're supposed to learn to talk to customers. And I'm thinking, I don't need to learn these. These, these are talking points that I gave you, you know? So I just think that was... That's funny because the mask is kind of like, you know, the face hugger from Alien. I thought that the mask is kind of like the face hugger and it implants in your stomach this ticking time bomb of authoritarianism that then just bursts out of you. You don't even know what hits you. You think you've, you're, you've done the right thing. You're doing the right thing. And I mean, from masks and not being able to see people's faces and social distancing and telling people sperm transfers the virus and now it's illegal in the UK to gather in private homes if you don't live there. And in the sense it's illegal, they're saying it's illegal to gather in private homes. I mean, there was, there was even a proposal I saw that was suggesting that people that gather together like this, um, these gatherings will be determined by the government. They'll tell you who you can see who you can have dinner with, who you can have sex with, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this isn't just authoritarianism. This is authoritarianism on some serious, serious, very seriously pow- uh, powerful steroids. Of course, they tell you don't, don't handshake anymore, and they'll tell you what's reality and what's not reality. I mean, all of this stuff... can be combated by common sense and critical thinking. And so many are just mindless drones that defend some political party nonsense. And I thought it was kind of interesting on that note that I I woke up this morning and I saw an article that was posted yesterday. It's from NBC News, Meet the Press, And it says, Trump's inaction after George Floyd's death speaks louder than words. And they're saying that he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. I mean, what did you want him to do? What what, what did you want any president to do? How many mass shootings and how many riots, protests, demonstrations, how many of these things happened under Obama? You didn't see news articles like this, why Obama didn't act. It was why Obama's a hero, although he didn't act Neither did Hillary Clinton on the subject of Benghazi and the death of an ambassador. But that's okay. I don't even like Trump. I find it, I have a disgusting taste in my mouth having to, I'm not even defending this, this political nonsense. It's just like, what, what did you want the guy to do? But, but, but the one thing that really gets me is they're like, well, Trump didn't do anything, you know? And then I saw this article from Foreign Policy. It says, with scenes of police brutality, America's beacon to the world winks out. And if you read the article, they're talking about how police have been unleashed on 
protesters, and they've unleashed violence against these protesters. But then in the same sentence, let me just read it to you. It said, a world that once looked to the United States to champion democracy and human rights watched with dismay and alarm as police departments across the nation unleashed violent crackdowns on anti-police protesters targeting looters, demonstrators, and journalists alike, even as President Donald Trump on Monday criticized state governors for their weak response. I don't know if you caught it in there, but they said police departments across the nation unleashed violent crackdowns on looters. That's one of the groups. But I guess it's okay to loot because that really shows solidarity with George Floyd, the former porn star, uh, drug head, and who knows what else. But if you say that, that's inappropriate. It's politically incorrect. I don't even want to be a part of this conversation anymore because it's, it's, it's just irrelevant. It's a waste of energy and a waste of time. But they're like, well, Trump didn't act. And then they say, well, the police are the ones that are being violent. And there was a story that just came out this morning that said a lot of Antifa pages on social media are actually white supremacist groups posing as Antifa in order to make Antifa look bad. But then in the same discussion, you have people that lean in a certain political direction that say Antifa doesn't even exist. How can Trump designate them a terrorist organization? He should focus on white supremacists. And then, to compound that, there was an article from Yahoo this morning, or yesterday morning. It said Trump says he will use military to put down riots. And it even says riots in the headline. And they're like, oh no, he's a dictator. He can't use the military to do this. Governors don't want the military support. It's like, so he didn't act. So that made him complicit in the riots. And he designated a group that doesn't exist, a terrorist organization, Antifa. And they say that the Antifa group is actually white supremacists. And that all the violence is from white supremacists and police, which uh, they're not all white. And then at the same time, when Trump says we're going to crack down on the rioting, not the demonstrators, the people smashing windows and looting, they say you can't do that. You're a dictator. Well, wouldn't they want the president to use the military to stop the violent white supremacists. It's just an illogical perception of reality. It's erroneous and it's a fallacy. I mean, the, the, the mindset on both sides and all sides of the political spectrum, you name it, all of it is just like one big giant fallacy. It's like when George Bush said, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. We're going to go get those terror threats. Watch this drive. And he whoosh, hits the golf ball. It's one of my favorite George Bush clips. So you have all this going on. And, of course, conveniently, coronavirus just it vanishes Nobody's really concerned about that anymore. We're, we're worried about race riots. I, I also thought that that was funny, too. Like here in New York, they, they tell you, OK, you can't have plastic bags anymore. Bring your own bags. Then coronavirus pandemic. And then they tell you, well, don't bring your own bags because those are dangerous and dirty. It's like that episode of Family Guy where they're like, we don't need the guns. Get rid of the guns. And they burn the guns. And then all the little tentacle stewies come and they're like wait a minute wait a minute get the guns get the guns and the stewies attack and they they kill all the guys kill all the guys and push them into the fire you needed the guns we needed the plastic bags 
but n- n- now we can't have plastic. Now we have to pay for the paper bags or we have to drag our groceries home, you know, in a cart or we have to drag them home on the bus in our arms because that's just, you know, that's what New York is. And it was the same thing with with masks. They're like, okay, you got to wear a mask. And then when people go protest and they turn violent, they're like, wait a minute, we can't see who people are. Take the mask off. I mean, it is just like the worst, at least in, I don't know about other states, but this is one of the worst managed states in the country. And I love how, although the virus deaths are totally manipulated across the nation and the world, they're like, well, New York is doing the best that they can, better than any other state. Look at that pierced nipple psychopath Cuomo. He's done a great job. And then it's like, okay, he's done a great job, really? Because it looks like we have more deaths than any other state in the U.S. How is New York doing better? I mean, everything is just a fallacy. It's backwards. It's illogical. And it's not even like from a political point of view. This isn't about politics. This is just about like, that doesn't make any sense. But we have to realize that many people have just, they're they're lost and there's nothing we can do about it. So let's move on to something more exciting like this. Let's, uh, Let's start with this. Remember back in March of this year, early March, there was a story about something called black rain. You know, we've seen stories about purple snow, you know, about the yellow snow, right? Red snow, I think they had red snow. Purple snow in most parts of uh, Russia, is that, that's where the purple snow fell before. You've had blue snow, you've had orange snow in Europe, you know, different colored rain. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons for this. Pollution's a big reason, but there are other reasons why there are different colors of rain and different colors of snow. Same kind of moisture, precipitation. And uh, in Japan, there was, people theorized that there was black rain because the coronavirus victims were being cremated by the, I mean, I, I imagine you'd have to cremate tens of thousands of them, right? To have all this, this pollution in the air from the burning of the bodies. And they're they're saying that the black rain falling was uh, a result of that, which, of course, in Japan has other ominous, suggestive qualities, considering that radioactive black rain fell over Japan in 1945 after atomic bombs were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. You know, killed 120,000 people, but we don't have any Japanese Holocaust memorials You know, that's just not something that we're concerned about. That's a side note, though. Coronavirus victims cremated bodies blamed on ominous black rain falling in Japan. And last night we talked about the the Umbrella Man, a guy in Minneapolis who was captured on video using a a hammer to smash windows of of an auto zone. And the man was dressed all in black, black outfit, gas mask, hoodie, and he had a black umbrella. And if you look at the definition of the word umbrella, it breaks down into umbra and ella. Umbra refers to a shadowy region, a shadow cast by the umbrella, and of course, ella is female in character, in name. It's a female-given name. So, shadow... Female, 
shadow female, like a shadow man, a man of black, a man dressed in black. The umbrella, of course, protects one from something that falls, rain, sunlight, rays of sun falling from above, light cast down to the earth, from Venus to the moon to the earth, Lucifer to Jehovah to the earth, cast down to the earth. And so if you think about the rain man, many of you have heard of the rain man and not the movie, the rain man, but the rain man spoken about so highly by the entertainment industry, the music industry in particular, and its association with the umbrella and and, and the usage of these terms and symbols and archetypes in order to what it seems like is an attempt to invoke something. We'll call it something. Invoke something. And when you look at the word umbrella, it's really interesting because umbrella is something that's used or an umbrella is something that's used for protection, but it's also, if you were to go and you were to read the definition of uh, umbrella, umbra and ella, you'd find that it's a protective device, but it's also kind of like a, like a pr- provoking device. That, I mean, one of the definitions of the word umbrella refers to its, uh, I, I guess you could call it like a, a form of um, provoking or some kind of protective force against something that's provoked. That's the definition. I find that really interesting, a protecting force. And it does protect you from the sun, from the rain. But it's also an influence. It influences. And, of course, the rain man, the umbrella man, influenced the rioters to begin these professional protesters. So that's the rain man, and that's the umbrella, the umbrella. That's in Minneapolis. And we had this black rain falling in Japan back in March. And I came across a really interesting story that I wanted to share with you tonight. It comes from the British Museum, a blog post on the British Museum website. And I think that you're really going to enjoy this. It's very interesting, and it will touch on a number of subjects that we've covered in great detail here on The Secret Teachings over the years, talking to people like Harold Kaltz about it. And it's about the practice of Egyptian mummification and the usage of something called black goo as part of that process. We'll look at that article when we come back from break. It's very, very interesting. And we'll talk a little bit more about the black goo and what it represents tonight here on The Secret Teachings. Ancient Egyptian Coffins and Mystery of Black Goo, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can subscribe to the archive, grab one of my books, www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay with us more after this. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. 
visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the Archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on TeePublic by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. The truth is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
understand the procedure now? Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email, rdgable at yahoo.com. I'm sure some of you remember the story back in March of this year. It's kind of like a tabloid story, but it was about something called Black Rain Falling in Japan, which is a very dark omen there because black rain which was radioactive fell in 1945 after the dropping of two atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki so this black rain was falling in March most people say that the black rain is merely a result of pollution but even those who kind of disagree with the notion that it's pollution say that the reason this black rain fell was because A lot of bodies were being burned due to the coronavirus. Well, we're a couple of months beyond that story, and we know that tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people here in the U.S. have not died of coronavirus. They've died of something and have been very old and have proteins in their body that have also been identified in pawpaws and in uh, in a goat, as we saw in the case of... uh, investigation in Tanzania, among others. And then we had a story from Forbes about the Umbrella Man, this guy in Minneapolis at an auto zone on Wednesday of last week, who was smashing windows. He took up hammer and he smashed the windows of an auto zone. And this was considered to be the the initial spark that ignited the rioting in Minneapolis. Sure, it can be debated, but this this was a big story last week. Who is the Umbrella Man? Mystery vandal at Minneapolis riot spurs conspiracies. Well, no, it, it doesn't really spur a conspiracy. It, it is a conspiracy. It just spurs actual theories. And it doesn't have to be a conspiracy theory. It's just a theory. You know, none of these words are ever used in their appropriate context. 
But if you define what the word umbrella means, just if you didn't get to listen to last night's show, it's a protective force. And this protective force is also defined, an umbrella is also defined simply as a protective influence. It's something influential. It has the ability to protect you from something, the ability to defend or to ward off something, like a jack-o'-lantern. You may think, well, you're looking too much into the definition of it. And I'd say, no, I'm, I'm just looking at the actual definition of it. It protects us from things that fall. There are many things that fall. Rain falls. Snow falls. And sometimes rain and snow fall in various colors. Blue. Purple, orange, black. And you can say, well, there's there's not really any meaning behind black rain or black snow or a black umbrella. What are you talking about? These these it's just it's pollution or it's the type of umbrella somebody wanted to buy. You know, they dressed for the occasion in all black. Well, what you recognize if you've done this for more than a couple of minutes is that just from the point of view of, of a standard, like, private investigator, police officer, detective, and journalist, you, you, you don't believe in coincidences, you follow patterns, you often follow the money trail, but when you follow the patterns, the patterns are a pathway that take you to where you need to go, to where you need to be, to understand, to figure, to solve something. It could be a crime. It just could be a, a general mystery. It doesn't have to be a crime, but that's what you do. You use patterns and discernment, and nothing is coincidental. And when you think about the archetype of the umbrella, for a lot of people, they might think that there's no archetype at all it's just it's just an umbrella it's like that i always think of that movie the great outdoors with dan Aykroyd and john candy and they're sitting there on the porch and they're looking out over this lake and there's a bunch of i think they're pine trees just this beautiful mountain and dan Aykroyd tells him he's like i see industry and he he rattles off all these different things that he sees you know he sees he see i think he said he saw like mining and he saw you know, you know, logging, and he, you know, he saw this lake where he could, they could take radioactive material and can, you know, seal it up and then bury it under the lake. And he's like, "All right, now I ask you what you see." <laughs> and and John Candy said, "I just, uh, I just see trees." Uh, in this case, I I feel a little bit like Dan Aykroyd. I'm like, well, I see a lot of stuff here, and some people just say, "Well, I just see an umbrella," and it's funny, but it's also it's just. I mean, it's perception, but th there is a lot more to the umbrella than meets the eye because of what the umbrella, in terms of etymology, means. It, it means umbra and ella. It means shadow and female. And it's a, it's a dark, shadowy area that's cast by the umbrella. A dark, shadowy region protects you from things that fall. It's a protective force. It's an influential force that offers protection. Now, when you think about the use of these words by the music industry. Music's always been incredibly powerful from the beginning of time. Whether people are 
playing sticks on rocks or you're playing on your computer and you're digitizing things. I don't know what people do, how they make music. You're on GarageBand. You're on some kind of uh, audio editing program. I use Audacity to, to do things sometimes. But, you know, from rocks and sticks to trash cans to your computer, music has always been something that's fascinated, intrigued, entertained, and elevated humanity, individuals, and collectively. It's part of culture, and music is beautiful, you know, though music cannot, doesn't always have to be something that's elevating. A lot of times music's very depressing and, and, and it can make us uh, feel very deeply. Sometimes it's just garbage, it's just trash. But the point is, music is very powerful because it's sound. It's the word. It's the logos. It's the word made flesh. It manifests. It's vibration. That's what gives meaning and understanding to language. We speak A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Each letter has its own vibration. We put them together. Apple, A-P-P-L-E. It has its own vibration. So you hear a lot about that in, in science, mainline science today, string theory, you know, things like this. You hear a lot about this in the, in the New Age movements and metaphysics about vibration and music and harmony and all this. And that's great. That's, that's what it is. An umbrella casting a shadow is just an umbrella casting a shadow. But when it's used in context to spur, in this case, let's say, a, a riot, which otherwise had been a demonstration but turned into a protest, turned into a riot because of professional rioters in many places around the country from Rochester to St. Paul, Minnesota, you have something else going on because of what the umbrella ultimately represents, a shadowy region, and of course, Ella, Ella, Ella. When it's used in the music, when it's used in pop music and rap music, etc., it's like a, it's a chant, it's invocation. And the idea of invocating, the idea of provoking something, the idea of, of, of bringing something into manifestation is often done in the black arts by people who wish to obtain some kind of power, some kind of protection. It doesn't always have to be bad. I mean, we have amulets, talismans, things like this that, that offer protection, sigils that offer protection. I mean, that's ultimately what the umbrella represents. It's a sigil, like anything can be a sigil. And it doesn't have to be that it's directly placed in public view so that it has this meaning. But when you look at what the umbrella represents in terms of a shadow, and you think of the shadow world, the shadow world is parallel to our world. Obviously, this idea is very popular now because of something like Stranger Things or because of various forms of theoretical physics. They're talking about shadow worlds and places where time moves backwards. We did a show on that a couple of weeks ago. But the, in this shadow world, what is it? In Stranger Things, it's called the upside down. So everything is turned on its head. And what we've seen in the last couple of days in the United States is we've seen things excessively turned on their head. I mean, we've seen language, sexuality, family relations, and just human decency turned on its heads. Telling people now in the UK that they can't have sex if they don't live together. 
telling people that a virus transmits through sperm with no proof, no evidence, and to not have sex, telling men to take estrogen. Distance yourself from others. Don't handshake. Don't talk to other people. It could spread the virus. I mean, all of this is incredibly, incredibly draconian, incredibly, incredibly authoritarian. But ultimately, it's incredibly and astoundingly, and and, and, and in a way it's terrifying, it's anti-human. It's like aliens landed, and they're telling us how to live our lives. They're telling us how to be human, but they've redefined what human means, and they've turned us into some weird, disconnected species that's been slated for termination, for extermination. So the upside down, the umbra, the ella, the umbrella, the dark shadow region, is a world of of backwardsness. It's a world of of shadow things, of shadow people. You know, black mist, black shadows. Do you remember in 2016, this story got a lot of attention because it was in the New York Post about a a, a 39-year-old researcher in Poland who died a quote-unquote mysterious death. And the article about this researcher, his name was Max Spires, said that he had been investigating UFOs and black magic. And his girlfriend said that he was attempting to expose a ring of black magicians. I don't really know what that means anymore because people think, I don't, I don't know what they think about this kind of stuff. But anyway, this is what, this, this is what the story, uh, how the story goes. The article said, Max Spires, a 39-year-old father of two found dead on a couch in Poland over the summer with black liquid oozing from his mouth, reminiscent of the black oil that alien beings used to inhabit human hosts in the TV series The X-Files. Says he spent his final months researching the dark arts. Now, that black liquid could have been blood. He could have just brushed his teeth with charcoal toothpaste. We don't know. People can claim that they know. We, We don't really know. But this black liquid that oozed from his mouth is something that, much like we see the usage of umbrellas and we see the constant reference, consistent reference to things like Rain Man and, and, and devils and demons and packs with the devil and the music industry and the television and the film industry, we, we, we do see that kind of stuff, but we see a heavy, heavy reliance on using black liquid as a representative force of everything from the, the kids' movie, Fern Gully. I remember watching that as a kid. It kind of scared me, that, that, that black pollution creature. But if you watched Fern, Fern, uh, Fern Gully, it was uh, pollution that was represented by black oil. And of course, you know, the, the oil industry and, you know, environmentalism and all this. So the black oil, the black goo, the black liquid... I call it black goo, but it's oil. It's liquid of some kind. Uh, you know, again, if I brush my teeth with charcoal toothpaste and spit it out, it's oh, it's black liquid. It's I've been possessed. No, it's just there's a lot of different ways to to, to look at that. But the point is, you see that in the, the entertainment industry, in, in in movies, television, and you even see it quite often in the music industry as well. 
it, it, it's present in entertainment from television to cinema to the music industry. It's even in video games. And if you think about when, when you watch a movie or something that someone's possessed, it's usually depicted with some, you know, a person who has pure white eyes, they have no soul, or pure black eyes indicating that they're possessed. Their, their vessel has been hijacked. And you think about that in relationship to other paranormal phenomena like black-eyed children or black-eyed kids. And they, they typically display this robotic, abnormal behavior as if they're like robotic, they're controlled. Uh, their appearance is usually accompanied by you know requests to homeowners to come in the home and use the bathroom or something like this. And then, of course, you have stories of men in black, and most of the stories of men in black and black-eyed children or black-eyed kids are, are, are very similar. And when you, when you put all that together... And you think about the usage of this imagery in, in movies and television and in, in music, one might start to wonder why the same imagery is used over and over and over and over and over again. The simple answer is it's a coincidence. Clearly not a coincidence. The very logical explanation is that there's some powerful meaning and some powerful influence behind the image. Hence the reason it's used in various forms of entertainment as a sigil to draw your attention and to draw your energy while you pay attention and you pay in currency for that entertainment. It draws it into the sigil and it empowers it. That's what a sigil is. You empower the sigil with energy and with intention, your intention to play that game, listen to that song, watch that video, watch that TV show, watch that movie. Now the goo, the liquid, could represent a lot of different things. The black goo could represent pollution. It could represent artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, programmable matter, and the list goes on and on and on. Black goo also appears in other forms. Black goo doesn't always have to have a negative connotation to it. But there's a lot of debate on whether oil itself is actually a fossil fuel, if it's actually non-renewable, or if it's very renewable. And I remember talking to Harold Kautz on the show, a scientist in Germany. I've talked to him about three or four times on the show. Really, really great shows. And he wrote me an introduction for my book, The Technological Elixir, which has a, a huge section dedicated to black goo. And he talked about the technical aspects of things like smart dust and what is black goo and where it came from. And he refers to black goo as kind of like the life force, the blood of the planet. And that there's black goo that's come from elsewhere, kind of like another life force. Identical to the way that in Spider Man, Venom reaches Earth. And the way that Harold explained it, and the ways in which we've discussed it since then, all in context, is that the life force of the planet is being 
removed and replaced with something artificial. He refers to it as an artificial intelligence. You can choose to call it what you want. But not only on the macrocosm is the planet having its life force removed and replaced. It would seem as in the process, each one of us individually are having our life force drained and replaced or drained entirely and left as empty vessels that have no soul whatsoever. Because you can look into some people's eyes and you know that person does not have a soul. Not that they're a psychopath, they just there's nothing going on. Now this is up for philosophical debate, but the point of all of this is is in relationship to the black goo, the black liquid, the umbrella man, the black rain, from coronavirus to rioting to this interesting story that came out from the it's a blog post on the British Museum website, and it's on our website at thesecretteachings.info, www.thesecretteachings.info, Ancient Egyptian Coffins and Mystery of Black Goo. And in this article, a Dr. Kate Fulcher, researcher in the museum's Department of Scientific Research, talks about how this black goo is made, why it's made, and what it can reveal about Egyptian funerary practices. Dr. Kate Fulcher. She talks about how there have been a number of Egyptian coffins and mummy cases found covered in, quote-unquote, black goo. It's what the article says. This is from a British Museum blog post on their website by a research assistant at the museum's Department of Scientific Research. So this isn't like before it's news. And it doesn't mean that it's an alien black oil. But it's interesting, to say the least, and I want to talk about that when we come back from break, about this mysterious black goo found on Egyptian coffins and used as part of the process of embalming and preservation for the mummification of the dead. Really interesting and how that relates to everything else that we've discussed so far on the broadcast this evening. The black goo, the black oil, the black liquid. We'll talk about that more after break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after break. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to The Fringe FM. And I'd like to hear from you. Email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com with anything you'd like to share with me. I'd also like to do a listener request show sometime this week. I've got a bunch of listener requests. I want to go over that. So that's something to look forward to. And if you have anything you'd like to request to be spoken about, can't promise you I'm knowledgeable about it, but we'll talk about it on the show. Email me or Facebook us at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. More of The Secret Teachings after this. I'm Ryan Gable right here on The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email 
bgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com This is Dave Cruz, host of Beyond the Strange and you're listening to The Fringe FM the Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on Tee Public by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana, with hundreds of beautiful images. If you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm call the station at 501-777-5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. A reminder that the future is not some distant glimmer, but a bright light shining in your eyes. This is the future we are in right now. Where our phones are the first things that we touch when we wake up, the last thing we touch before falling asleep. Radiant, seductive screens we so lovingly, endlessly gaze upon. Much like you're doing right now. Welcome to a future where our true re reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. This is Howard Kautz. My website is www.timeloopsolution.com and you're listening to the Secret Teachings radio program with Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM, Monday through Friday, same time each night. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email we'd like to hear from you, rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. We talked about the umbrella man last night this vandal in Minneapolis and what the umbrella archetypically represents. It represents shade as the word umbra is derived. It represents shade and Ella refers to a female to femininity, meaning that umbrella translates roughly to shadow female. And of course the shadow world is an upside down inverted version of our world not just in shows like Stranger Things, but the upside down, the shadow region, is the place of monsters. It's the place of demons. It's the place of spooky, scary, disturbing things. Out of the shadow world come shadow people, come various forms of shadow people, which I think one could argue black-eyed children are a form of shadow people because of their elusiveness and rarity although there are other shadow people that are seen quite more often from the men in black to probably the most well-documented cases of shadow people would include the grinning man, the smiling man, the hat man, etc. And I know I've mentioned a lot of this stuff before, but I always found it really interesting that one of the personalities of Marshall Mathers is Slim Shady because it literally means the slim shadow. And who is in the shadow? It's the slender man, the tall, black, faceless entity that waits in your room, 
that watches over you, that can be seen on the edge of the woods, the domain of that monster like the Baba Yaga. So you put all this together, and in the microcosm, it's like you have an agitator at a protest with a black umbrella, and this receives national news attention. And he's the agitator. He's the agent provocateur that sparks the vandalism and the rioting. And what exactly, again, is the shadow world? It's an upside-down inversion. It's an influential and powerful force that comes from somewhere else. It's not organic in our world. And there are other things that may not be organic in our world because they've visited our world or because they've been pulled into our world, invoked into our world by black magicians from John D. to Aleister Crowley to a number of military experiments just in the United States alone. Couldn't imagine what's in the uh, records of uh, other countries and the same kinds of experiments they've conducted on everything from remote viewing to biolocation to the attempt to open portals to other worlds, maybe like a CERN or maybe like the detonation of atomic weapons. We could speculate on these things, and we can see the archetypical occult nature in things like the testing of the Trinity bomb in New Mexico in the 40s, or in the case of CERN, something that's very active today. Many people believe that this is an attempt to open up a wormhole or a portal to another world to bring creatures, monsters, something into our world, the old ones, the you know very Lovecraftian subject matter. Uh, you know, Jordy Rose, who our good friend Kev Baker got to interview Jordy Rose. It's a great interview. If you can find it on YouTube, type in Kev Baker show Jordy Rose, who invented the the quantum computer, and he talked about using this quantum computer to go into other dimensions and extract resources, but that we might also be able to interact with beings there. Now, one of the things about this this shadowy world, these shadowy people, is that there's an element of elusiveness, but also an element of possessiveness. We, you know, we see people that are said to be possessed. They've got all black eyes. That's what you see in the movies, right? When someone has all white eyes, it's like nobody's home. They're soulless. They're a vessel. They're, they're ready. They're waiting for a walk-in, for a, a, for a possession. They're just empty vessels. They're like just vehicles for the, the monsters in They Live, these creatures, these aliens. And unless you break the signal, unless you put on the glasses to see what the world really looks like and you break the signal then you're never really going to understand what's going on. And I'm not sitting here from a point of view that I think I know what's going on. I'm just simply showing you some stuff that's at the very least, well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this article now in this segment because this article is from the British Museum. And the British Museum blog post is written by a Dr. Kate Fulcher. And it might seem like nothing, or it might seem to others like a lot. I found it interesting because 
It's about black goo and Egyptian funerary practices. Dr. Kate Fulcher, a research assistant in the museum's Department of Scientific Research, talks about how there have been numerous ancient Egyptian coffins and mummy cases that have been found covered in a mysterious black goo. And so they're exploring what that black goo is made of, why it's been made, why, why it was used, how, how it was used, and what it can reveal about the ancient Egyptians and their practices of mummification, which, for the record, for those of you who have never heard this before, mummification is not confined to ancient Egypt. It's all over the world. It's a practice from South America to Africa. So this is a very common practice throughout the world, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, in this one particular mummy case, I'm not even going to try to pr- pronounce the name of this, of this individual. Uh, well, maybe I'll try one time. Jed Konsiu F. Ankh. Ankh, of course, means life bestowing. But they estimate that, we'll call him Jed, estimate that Jed Ankh lived and died almost 3,000 years ago in ancient Egypt. They say that we don't know about Jed. We don't know much about his life, but we do know he was a priest in the temple of Amun-At-Karnak. Amun is, of course, where we get Amun, as in Amun-Ra. Amen. When he was a priest at this temple, according to the the records, they say he was, uh, his position was to open the doors of the shrine into the temple sanctuary containing the cult image of, of, of their God. And they talk about his coffin in this, this story that when they opened it, there was a black goo on on the actual casing, like a, a black liquidy substance. So what they did was they decided to do a chemical analysis on it. And, and there have been a number of instances where black goo has been used in Egyptian burials, but they don't know why it is. They, they don't know what it was made from or why it was used. So that's what this article uh, is primarily examining just to see, you know, what exactly this substance is. They said at the time of his funeral, he was lowered into the coffin and carried to his tomb. Then several liters of warm black goo were poured all over the mummy case, covering it completely, effectively cementing the case into the coffin. The lid was then placed on the coffin and he was left to journey forth to the underworld. That's, of course, the Egyptian religion. So the British Museum analyzed more than 100 samples of this black goo from 12 coffins and mummy cases dating to the 22nd dynasty in the 3rd Intermediate Period. It's about 900 to 750 B.C. So they took these tiny little samples and they conducted a form of chemical analysis called gas chromatography mass spectrometry, GC-MS. It involves vaporizing each sample and pushing it through a long tube which separates the molecules in the sample. At the end of the tube, the molecules go into a mass spectrometer which separates them according to their mass-to-charge ratio. And from this, they can tell which molecules are present and in what 
quantities. And they discovered the black goo, it's not necessarily an alien virus or something like that. It's not really oil. It's made of a combination of plant oil. It's made of animal fat, tree resin, beeswax, and other ingredients, including bitumen, which is a solid crude oil. But it's not necessarily an alien virus, so stay with me. The exact ingredients vary from one coffin to the next, but the goo was always made from some of these ingredients. It is possible there were other ingredients as well that we can no longer detect because they were volatile and evaporated or have degraded to undetectable levels over the three uh, 3,000 or so years since the goo was applied. And it's pretty interesting that uh, they developed thousands of years ago these intricate methods of preserving the dead, preserving priests and royalty in a way that, and in the time in which there wasn't supposed to be any form of intercontinental communication, and yet people still figured out the same kinds of burial and funerary practices, although one doesn't have to immediately jump to ancient aliens because there are probably an uncountable number of cases where someone has developed a a new idea and another person unrelated doesn't know this person who came up with this new idea for a for a new gadget they develop the same thing at the same time as if there's been some form of of energy of consciousness that has awoken these ideas given people these ideas uh, on different parts of you know in different parts of the world it's just a part of consciousness i guess or something to this effect uh, like the hundredth monkey experiment so whether it was intercontinental travel and lost technology or we're talking about ancient aliens which that's i want to put that on the i want to in this case my stove has three Rows of burners. I want to put this on the very back burner. I don't think it was ancient aliens. I think it was something more human. Doesn't mean aliens don't exist. It just means that I, th- I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's more human. So you think about it and how it's possible that they, they come up with these complex methods of preserving the body. And I wonder if, if to do some digging and some research into this, but I wonder if there have been other cases of black goo made of plant oil or anything of this nature, found in the coffins, sarcophagi of, of other, uh, other countries, other empires, you know, all around the world, uh, different parts of South America, different tribes, if they use the same kind of preservation practice, because they had many of the same beliefs and views of the underworld. They had many of the same... Uh, processes of mummification, and, and this is just something that I, I've never, you know, I hadn't heard much about this before. I think I had seen it, but I, I just saw this recent article from the British Museum and thought, well, that's very interesting because that that is a subject that connects directly with everything from coronavirus and black rain, story back in March about black rain falling, to the umbrella man, the the shadow world, the upside down, the inversion, and the shadow people, from black-eyed children to men in black, the shadowy uh, uh, 
uh, mists and ghost-like apparitions that people see and things that you feel. So anyway, the, the, the Egyptians gathered all of these ingredients, and there's an interesting picture here on this blog post from the British Museum. It's the mummy of, uh, of Jed, very, very long name, but the mummy of Jed, 22nd Dynasty, 945 to 720 B.C., and they have a picture of, of, of the sarcophagi and the coffin inside of it, you know, these elaborate, beautiful coffins. And it's, it's weird. It's like, you know, they go to these elaborate measures to carve and to mold and to, you know, the processes of, of altering the, the metals and, the, and the, the various chemical processes and, and the intricate designs and paintings. And you can see on the chest of this coffin the, I mean, it, it looks like, to me, it looks like uh, um, Horus um, and a representation of Ra with the sun disk. And that's like, uh, it's beautifully like etched or carved into the coffin, but it's obscured. The whole coffin is obscured by this black, uh, like, uh, it's like a, like a, a shell. It's a black shell around this whole thing. So they go through this, this process of, of, of creating this beautiful coffin and then they cover it in, in a black oil. I mean, you could do about 10 episodes of Ancient Aliens with that one. What if they put the black oil on the coffin because they knew that the body inside was not dead and they knew that the body was of extraterrestrial origin and was very dangerous to the Egyptian population. So they knocked him out, put him in a coffin, and then they covered it in black goo so the alien couldn't get out. What if? You know, what if? I'm, I'm not mocking your ancient aliens. I've sat down and watched it. I just, it's like, it's that kind of thing. Like, I could make a show about this, but then I'd be very disingenuous and insincere, and I'd be thousands of dollars richer, you know? And I could pick up, you know, women at conferences, you know, weird hippie shaman women. But I, uh... <laughs> I, I'm just playing around, all right? But it, I, I, I find that really strange. Just why would they go to so much effort and then they would just cover it in this black substance? It's like painting this beautiful, beautiful oil painting or drawing this, this elaborate you know, design and then just covering it in paint. It, it just it doesn't make much sense. But there's probably some kind of very, very uh, simple explanation, like maybe instead of it being aliens, maybe they just decided to preserve the whole, um, the whole uh, uh, coffin because it was so beautiful, and because you know all the gold and the trimmings and the and the jewels and the carvings, and it was preserved for future generations. I mean, look at the way these bodies are preserved. Anyway, it was all about preservation because of the afterlife. So they have this coffin that the body is is preserved over thousands of years, and it's in a coffin, and then the coffin is sealed. It's a beautiful coffin, covered in a black substance to preserve the coffin, and then it's in a, like a sarcophagi with another you know giant lid on top of it. So it's like Russian dolls. You open up one, and then you have to dig the black oil off. It's solid now, of course. And then you see this beautiful, beautiful coffin, and then you open that, and then you have a preserved body. It's like Russian dolls. It's, it's really interesting. So they go on in this article to talk about how they, um, I mean, this is just mostly speculatory, so I'm not going to read you any of this, but they go on to talk about how they may have uh, acquired some of the materials for this black 
oil is black goo. And, uh, I mean, at this point, you know, black oil, black goo, something, something of this sort, if this is, uh, if this is something they've done a chemical analysis on and they can determine basically how it was made and what it was made with and then they start speculating on where these trees came from and how they would have been able to get them and, you know, where where they get the trees or some of these other ingredients and it's like, it's just all speculation. I've heard so many things about the pyramids and where they got the stones and, you know, I, I just don't I don't take much of what the British Museum, the Smithsonian, or any of these institutes say. Again, it's just like I know it might be hard to listen to a radio show where I don't actually have like a solid answer for you. I'm not going to be pseudo confident that I know what the answer is. I'm just sharing this with you because I find it really, really interesting. So they cover this thing in um in a black substance and it just totally obscures the beautiful and intricate nature of of the design of the coffin. And so they get down to this last section here in the article, uh, the blog from the British Museum, and it says, what was it used for and why? And they acknowledge that they can't say for certain. But previous analysis of mummification balm on the bodies themselves, not just on the coffin, have shown it to be made of the same ingredients as the black goo I find it interesting they call it black goo, not just like a black liquid. Because if you just look at it, it kind of looks, some of them look, just looks like uh, like charcoal or soot or something was rubbed on it. But others are more preserved, so it looks like almost like a shiny, you know, kind of like black, uh, some kind of like black latex, something to that effect. It's kind of shiny on this this one guy's coffin named Jed. Uh so they say that the, the black goo then was, they, they believe it was used as part of a, a multi-step burial process during the preparation of the dead body, and then again during the funeral, and then they put it on top of the mummy case or the coffin. I mean, there, there are some other examples of this where there's some black oil on it, but it's weird because, for example, in this case, uh, the coffin of Patty... Not 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 Patty, but Patty. Trying to pronounce this correct, Patty Horpakherd, milk bearer of Amun, twenty second dynasty. So it's around the same time. And this coffin is—it's not so beautiful, but it has a lot of intricate designs on it, and it has the sun disc and the wings and the Urius serpents, the two serpents that on the left and right of the of the sun disc, and it has some uh, other hieroglyphics on there. And the headpiece isn't really beautiful. It's like a red mask, but it's covered in black oil just on the headpiece. So it's like some of these were fully covered. There's another one, a young girl uh, they called J. Asetimu. Uh, this is from 900 B.C. They, they estimated it. And uh, it was mostly covered in black oil, black goo. And they were they were able to clean some of it off, and so it's like the way that this one was preserved, you can still see the the the, the intricate designs, which are more intricate than the uh, than the uh, milk bearer of Amun coffin, and but this one has a you know a gold face that they were able to clean off, which again I find that weird. Why would they, if they're trying to understand this, why would they clean off the face 
I don't know. There's just something that's kind of interesting about this. Some of these are totally covered in oil. Some of these only parts of them. Some of them, you know, not even really a part, just like a little bit of the oil. It's not like it got rubbed off or something. It was like the rest of this was never touched and the whole thing is is preserved. I don't know. It's very interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we come back from break. This is the black oil used in Egyptian funerary practices. It's a British Museum blog, Ancient Egyptian Coffins and Mystery of Black Goo. It's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. And I'd like to hear from you. rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. I want to do my best to do a little bit of a listener request show sometime this week. I've got a bunch of requests on Facebook. But if you have anything you want me to talk about, I'll throw your name in. Please email me. I'd love to be able to to mention your name on the show. And uh, even if it's for 30 seconds, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, maybe it's a topic I know a lot about, you want me to talk about it, you know, we'll, we'll do that. rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And of course, our website, you can subscribe to the archive. And uh, th- that's the way that we support this show. So I have a part-time job. I do a lot of work outside of the house. I write books. And those books... And the subscriptions to what I do five nights a week, that's what supports the show. That's what helps us to stay on air. And any week where I'm taking a day off or I take a few shows off, we play repeats, not everyone gets to hear the show. So some of those repeats, it's good to have a really good quality show. I try to make sure everything's the highest quality, but sometimes shows are just really good. And I want to replay them so that other people have an opportunity to listen. Some people only get to listen Monday and Tuesday and and they can't listen, you know, Wednesday through Friday. Some people can only listen Friday night. So I like to play shows over sometimes because they're really good and I want to put them in the in the the spot, you know, five nights a week, the same spot, same time on the fringe that it that it'll be accessible for people that didn't have an opportunity to listen before. Although it's in the archive, you know, it's subscription based. So I want to give the contents always free to listen and we play the replays and Then there's another episode of The Secret Teachings that comes up after this new show five nights a week. So you're getting tons of content. And uh, it's just $35 for a subscription one year. You can download every show, subscribe at the website, thesecretteachings.info. You get a free book, too. I mean, it's really, really a great deal. You get a free book as well. I just rewritten Food Philosophy. It's bigger. It's badder. It's more informative. It's more helpful. It's empowering get a free copy of that with your subscription the book should be in very soon i've already had a bunch of people order them check it out on the website i'm ryan gable this is the secret teachings don't go anywhere there's more ancient egyptian coffins and mystery of black goo when we come back from break stay with us Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows 
with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the Archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on TeePublic by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. This is Reverend John M. Polk from johnpolkmedia.com and you are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, the Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm. Call the station at 501-777-5631. Or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. Voila! 
In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the Vox Populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta held as a votive not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. This is Peter Monsanto, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. This is Alan Butler, co-author of America, Nation of the Goddess. This is Janet Walter, co-author of America, Nation of the Goddess, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to The, the Secret, Secret Teachings. This is Nick Redfern, author of Men in Black and Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind, and you're listening to Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on The Fringe FM. TheFringe.fm is the network website. You can check out all of the shows airing on The Fringe FM seven nights a week. The Secret Teachings is on after Lighting the Void five nights a week, Monday through Friday, after Joe Roop. And then another episode of The Secret Teachings airs after... The new broadcast, Monday through Friday, the entire archive is on the website at thesecretteachings.info. And I think one of the new things I'm going to do is I have a free archive, and then we have, of course, the major archive. But what I'm going to do is if you go to the website, we have a slider, and the slider has like your subscription, your books, your t-shirts, all that stuff. But there's going to be, I'm going to try to do it every week. There needs to be like a, an image there for one of the better shows that week, one of the best shows that you know I can determine the best show, uh, what I feel like is a good show. And then I'm going to have it linked up so when you click the image, it'll take you to the download so you can download it for free, even if you're not a subscriber. So we give away a lot of free content here in The Secret Teachings, and we just have some books and subscriptions. That's what supports the show. Now, tonight we've discussed a little bit about this, uh, this black goo, this black liquid. Some people know the black liquid from the story of uh, this guy named Max in Poland, who was a, a researcher. I don't know much about the guy. They say he was a researcher. Today that could mean, you know, browsing YouTube. It, it could mean that he was a journalist. I, I don't know what that word means anymore because it's just been watered down by nonsense. But Max Spires, this guy that died and had black liquid coming out of his mouth. But they don't specify exactly what the black liquid was. I mean, I, I thought I thought about having like uh, some private labeled products to sell on the show. I've thought about that before. 
and I thought it would be really cool to do like a charcoal toothpaste and to call it black goo. Because when you brush your teeth with the charcoal, your mouth gets all black and it looks like, you know. So what if Max was just brushing his, just, I'm just, go with me for a second. The point that things are not always as they seem, but sometimes they're not what they seem. In the sense that it's not like implying something, you know, extraterrestrial or alien. Maybe it's just like the guy brushed his teeth and then he had a heart attack and there was black stuff coming out of his mouth. That's obviously not what happened, but that's how these kinds of stories can be turned into some weird supernatural paranormal thing when they're not. I don't think that's what happened to Max. I'm just saying there are lots of things that are black liquid. And when you think of like a black oil, well, black oil comes in a variety of forms, like like a black grease, like shoe grease or, you know, or hair grease, rather, or something that you, you know, use to shine shoes. That's like grease and oily, you know. So there are lots of things that can be black oil. It doesn't mean it's an alien virus or it doesn't mean it's like some kind of alien technology, but it's overwhelmingly present in the music industry, both audio and music videos, visual, television, movies, comics, and in video games. It's all over the place. Why? Why is that same image used? And why does it represent many things? In the movie Fern Gully, it represented pollution. In movies like Spider-Man, it represents an alien that comes from somewhere else and takes possession. In other movies, it's an, an oil that has you know this virus, this, this thing in it, that takes possession of people, and that's a very similar theme to the Alien franchise. You see David, the android, put the black droplet into the water, or I think maybe he wasn't drinking water. The one guy was drinking like vodka or something or gin, and he puts it into the water or the gin or the vodka, whatever it was, and then he's, he's infected with it. But it's, it's not like, it's like a biological weapon in a sense, but it was like a chemically manufactured substance that could be used to create life and to destroy life. But you see the archetype of it, like the archetype of the Rain Man and the Umbrella and the Umbrella Man, in the case of this rioting in Minneapolis. If you want to see that article, by the way, it's Forbes magazine. You can just go to our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Who is Umbrella Man? Mystery Vandal. At Minneapolis riot spurs conspiracies. Ooh, conspiracies. So you have the Umbrella Man, the Rain Man, the, sh- the shadow world, the, the female shadow. That's why um, 11, L, 11, 11 was named 11. And in Stranger Things, L, 11, you have Billy, Bill, Ball, the Devil. These things are used in television shows and movies and all kinds of entertainment because they're powerful, powerful archetypes. Because they're powerful sigils. And if you know what you're doing, you can place those, those, those images there. And those images attract and absorb the power, the energy, the attention. We pay attention, right? We absorb these things, absorb the energy from our attention, and then they manifest. Now, beyond the black goo and the black oil and the black-eyed children, the men in black, the smiling man, the grinning man, all this stuff, 
You've got black oil found, you know, supposedly in various parts of the world. We've heard reports of this. Personally, I've never seen, like, total confirmation of that. But nevertheless, black goo is found all throughout the entertainment industry. And, of course, oil, you know, oil, black oil. I mean, this is real stuff, but it doesn't mean it's alien or something like that. But there's an article from the British Museum org. It's a blog post on their website, and it's really interesting because it's about the Egyptian burial process and how the Egyptians, and they don't talk about any other cultures, but we do know that when you look at the, 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 the funeral rites, the burial rites of uh, various Indian tribes in South America, and you look at those compared with Egyptian burial rites and how similar they were not only in terms of how their rites were performed but i mean just really incredible how they had some of the same kinds of like the same kinds of ceremonies where one of them's called the opening of the mouth and they use this thing called the peshenkif which which means well supposedly it means to open mouth and so it's the same process to open the mouth in south america south american tribes as it was in Egypt, meaning that without intercontinental travel and without aliens there, unless it was, you know, a lost technology, which I don't think that it was, I think that it was, I mean, there is a lot of lost technology, but I think that it was probably not lost technology, probably not aliens. It probably was maybe more spiritual. Maybe it was more, more dealing with consciousness that humans just naturally develop these kinds of, uh, these kinds of tendencies. I mean, it would be like, uh, you know, you think about it. You put two people out in the woods, completely separated. They don't know who, who the other person is. And uh, they have like the, the, the lowest form of intelligence. You know, as we evolve, as the story goes, then they, uh, they all, they, the, both of these people decide, well, like I want to be warm. So I need to, you know, I need to get some fire. So they, you know, cut down, you know, a tiny tree or they use some sticks and some, some, some leaves to start a fire. You know, they're hungry, so they try to develop a weapon and they try to catch an animal or something to eat it or they find some berries. And it's like, look, these two people, they don't know each other. They they had no contact, and yet all, all, both of them are finding the same ways to stay warm and to have shelter and to eat. It's like, well, that's just natural. <laughs> that's how, you know, we need shelter. We we need sustenance and nutrition, right? So it's not, it's like, tribes from all over the world have very similar practices. It's not because the aliens gave it to them. It's because it's just, it's human. I mean, a lot of this ancient alien stuff really, I mean, this, this could be a discussion for another show, but a lot of this ancient alien stuff is like vicarious atonement. It's, it's, it's very much like a religion because it's us investing our power into some unseen alien force that, created us and came to they're going to come back and save us and we just kind of forget who we are in the process i don't think it was aliens i do i believe in aliens well yeah and if you think i don't i mean you, you've never read my book the technological elixir i mean half the book is about extraterrestrials and artificial intelligence and and the entertainment industry there's a huge section on it called black goo programmable matter mirrors the red dress rain man and him his infernal majesty i have a whole chapter just about that alone we talk about max spires and some other stuff in that section uh, and go through the long list of entertainment uh 
forms, uh, music and movies and television, and look at the the nature of black goo in all of those in all of those areas and all those places. Uh, we go through a lot of lyrics in the in the music industry, which is one of my favorite things to do here on the Secret Teachings. But I came across this article, British Museum blog, Ancient Egyptian Coffins and Mystery of Black Goo, and I found it interesting that they actually called it black goo. They didn't call it like you know black. Uh, you know, shell, which is really what it is. It's like a, it was a liquid, presumably at one point, and that liquid solidified. You know, it could have been within a couple of minutes or a couple of hours when it, or a couple of days when it was first poured thousands of years ago, as they estimate. And it solidified into like a shell around the coffin. So they have a couple of pictures on the website, britishmuseum.org, and this particular article was written by Dr. Kate Fulcher, a research assistant in the museum's Department of Scientific Research. And she's talking about what this black goo is, what's it made from, why, why it was used, how it was used, and what it reveals about Egyptian funerary practices. And they have a mummy case and a coffin of an individual that I can't pronounce the name, so we're just, we're, tonight we're just calling him Jed. Uh, the name is like Jed Kansiu F. Ankh. Uh, Jed Kansi, I, I don't know. It's a very lengthy name. We know Ankh means life bestowing, so they had these these other um, attachments to the name. So you have uh, this Jed guy, th- thousands of years old, and his body is in a coffin which is elaborately decorated, and you can only see the elaborate decorations under this black crust that's on top of the of the coffin. And it's not something natural. It was poured onto the coffin, and then it was concealed in like a sarcophagi, a big, this big stone, like almost like an ossuary. So it's like a Russian doll. It's a body and then a coffin and then inside of this big stone. And then there's another one where you have uh, part of the coffin covered in this black oily substance. You have the hands and the face that are exposed this was a coffin of a young girl, 900 B.C., they estimate. And apparently they, they cleaned the face off in the 1970s. So apparently it was, it was, the whole thing was preserved in this black substance, but it wasn't as preserved as uh, you know, our friend Jed in this other coffin. And then there's a third coffin from the 22nd Dynasty, the same time frame as Jed. And this coffin doesn't really have uh, any black oil on it, just around the facial area. And the rest of the coffin, it's not elaborately designed. It actually looks more like, I can't really tell, but it looks kind of like wood, like a typical wooden coffin, and then has paintings on it. You know, you've got the sun disc and the wings, the soul, the heart, the spirit, and the two ureus. It's what they're called the serpents on the headdress, which some say represent the third eye. It's ready to reach out and strike and change the material world. It's the... um story behind it. Uh, actually, if you're interested in some of this Egyptian uh, iconography and symbolism, there's a really great book. Um, I don't know who, how many people have interviewed the guy, but we've interviewed him before. His name's Mark Booth or Jonathan Black. He wrote a book called The Secret History of the World and The Sacred History. Those are two of my favorite books. They're excellent. Um, I don't get paid to say that. They're just really good books. And he talks about the uh, the Urias serpent in that book. And he talks a lot about some of these Egyptian fairy tales too, like uh, Cinderella. Cinderella was actually an Egyptian story. Isis was Cinderella. They call her Cinder because her face was blackened by cinders from the kitchen fire. 
and she was looking for her Prince Charming. In Egyptian mythology, it's Isis looking for her husband, Osiris, basically God of the dead, right? Because he represented agriculture, life, but he was also cast into the underworld as part of this kind of complex mythology and mythos. And he became the god of the dead as well as the god of the living, kind of like the white god and the black god, kind of like the uh, seal of Solomon, the white god, and the reflection of the black god, as above, so below. And Osiris um, would greet someone when when someone died. They They were said to be greeted by Osiris or they became like Osiris, who was both death and and birth because death leads to rebirth. That, that's the story anyway. And because, because of this, Osiris was called the Black One in a lot of the funerary texts. And he's often depicted with black skin and in the, in the guise of a mummified body. Now, black is also the color associated with alluvial silt deposited on the banks of the River Nile after the annual flood receded. And if I remember correctly, I think that happens in July. I think it's like July 23rd was the helical rising of Sirius, the dog star. And that signified the inundation of the Nile River. And so black in Egypt was a very, very positive color because it, or lack thereof, because it represented fertility and the rays of the sun come down, penetrate the earth, and then give it gives birth to, you know, vegetation. And so the waters of the Nile were very important. And when the annual flood receded, there was a lot of black silt that was used to plant. And it was a very fertile area. So Osiris was known as the black one because the, 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 the silt, the soil provided the, the environment for seeds and crops to germinate and grow. And it was viewed as a very magical and regenerative process. And Osiris was god of this. So Osiris was uh, was everywhere, god of, you know, in a sense, god of war. He was a great hunter like Nimrod, but he was a king. He was a brother. He was a father. He was a god. He was a number of different things. These gods had, you know, multiple hats, if you will, that they put on, multiple headdresses, if you will. And so this uh, this article here, this uh, British Museum article, they're, they're saying, this is their opinion, it could therefore be reason that the practice of coating coffins in black goo links the coffins to regeneration associated with Osiris. And they even show some uh, wooden figures. This one in particular is from the tomb of Ramses the, uh, Ramses the first or Seti the first. Uh, the black goo was analyzed 20 years ago. They've been looking at this and found to be made of pistachia tree resin. This particular wooden figure here dates from the 19th century. And in addition to mummy cases, black goo was also painted on funerary statues of deities. So you have got it on coffins, you've got it on the bodies themselves, because they say it was used in the process of mummification, it was used then on top of the coffin, sometimes it was used um, a, a third time for various parts of the process of, 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 the, of the funerary rite. And uh, then they're also finding it on statues, on uh, various uh, statues of deities. Um, There are lots of examples of this in the British Museum from the tombs of uh, New Kingdom kings around 1300 B.C. Uh, 
a lot of the statues are from the, the tomb of Tutankhamun, and they were covered in a black goo, um, although that black goo in particular has not been analyzed. But a lot of the, a lot of the coffins, a lot of the statues uh, made of wood or gold, they were covered in black oil. And it wasn't because of like dirt and grime over the years. It was because this, this stuff was put on there intentionally. It was made out of everything from, you know, like, a, like a basically a petroleum-like oil to uh, tree resin. They added other things to it. They talk about that in the article as well. Um, but they did this intentionally. And uh, the British Museum thinks maybe they did it because of the relationship to Osiris, but there are lots of other potential reasons this could be. You know, if you ask the ancient alien crowd, they're like, dude, they put the black goo on there because it's an alien virus. And it's, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know how that mind set operates, but I'm just not of it. But I, I, I will be happy to talk about aliens and artificial intelligence and things like this. What really fascinates me is that you, you see this this substance um in a number of places because it's just like a normal thing. It would be no different than seeing like, well, we have, you know, trees have leaves that are green. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Well, they're just green, you know? It's the color of an alien, right? They must be alien trees, just like weird associations like that. But in this case, you've got a, a, a not only a, a black substance that's just like, you know, regular oil or some kind of material that was put together to preserve these bodies, but also to preserve the coffins. But they did it in a way where these beautifully elaborately carved statues in wood and gold and, 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 and different kinds of metals and these beautiful elaborate coffins, all of that was obscured by dumping this black oil onto it. I mean, maybe it was, um, maybe it wasn't about linking the dead to Osiris, the black one. Maybe it was a, some kind of perversion of that to prevent the spirit from escaping. Maybe it was simply to preserve not only the body, but to preserve also the coffin itself for future generations. Like, n nobody really knows. But this black goo, black oil, which is interesting, they call it black goo in the article, but this black oily, black goo-like substance, you know, we, we find it used as an image all throughout the entertainment industry as a representation of possession a representation of portals to other worlds, other dimensions. I mean, this is some very strange and very, very odd. It's a very odd series of patterns that you see this pop up time and time and time again. I'm not telling you that it, it means one thing or another. I'm just sharing, you know, that, that, that information with you. But in terms of, of, of what black goo ultimately is, it, it represents whether it's just, you know, in your everyday examination of, of the world or it's in a more occult respect. It, it represents a number of different things. And it doesn't have to be alien, but it's also strange of the numerous uh, ways in which it's used to represent that very thing. It represents aliens and portals to other worlds and dimensions and what comes from those other worlds? The shadow beings, creatures, monsters, it's from the upside down. And so all of that, all of that, like Dan Aykroyd said in The Great Outdoors, he looks out over the trees and the forest and the, the mountain and the lake and he gives 
all these examples of what he sees for industrialization. And then John Candy says, I just uh, I see trees. I know a lot of people just see trees, and that's cool. You're not worse than me. You're not better than me for seeing trees. It's okay. I just I see more than trees in this case. I see archetypes. I see sigils because it's all magic. It's all magic. Our, our language is magic. Words are magic. It's symbol. Everything is a symbol. Green is a symbol. Black is a symbol. Deer are symbols. Everything is a symbol. Everything is a sigil. Everything in that respect is magic. And they even say that in the British Museum article about how uh, the, the process of, of the mummification, all this was magical. And the reason that such care and dedication was put into that process was because the belief in resurrection and a form of afterlife or an afterlife that, that led to resurrection, hence the reason that the black god Osiris was a god of death and also of birth or rebirth, of, of good and of evil, just like Isis, his, his wife, is wearing the black veil of Cinderella, but she's also a, a white goddess. Represents different things. It's the duality, and as much as I'd like to say, well, it's alien. I don't think it's alien. I think I think it's it's very human. But there are many aspects of the black goo that perhaps are more than human, or let's say less than human, that might have some relationship to the development of nanotechnology, the development of smart dust the development of programmable matter, liquid metals, which already exist like the Terminator that can rebuild themselves. And this black goo plays a part in this imagery, in this storyline, especially with its relationship to the metamorphosis and the evolution of characters and stories in, in movies like Lucy, where it ultimately becomes... She turns into like a supercomputer and transcends the physical world into the digital. And that's represented by this black, oily, gooey substance. I mean, I've said movies, TV shows, music videos, the Rain Man and Umbrellas are talked about in songs, the Shadow People, but it's also, you know, even in advertisements. I mean, Lady Gaga with the perfume commercial, it's all black goo and portals to other worlds. And it's all the same archetype, all the same imagery. It's the same thing over and over and over again. I'm just here to provide you with an analysis of the patterns. I don't see everything. You can help us out. Email us rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. The website, www.thesecretteachings.info, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can subscribe to our archive. It supports the show, you and the Fringe FM. It really does help to keep us on air, and it allows me to do this five nights a week on the Fringe FM, the Fringe.fm. And when you subscribe, you also get a free book. So check that out or grab the book separately on the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. I'm going to have a listener request show, so don't be afraid to email me, rdgable at yahoo.com. Give you a shout out. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. I don't care if it's something as simple as gardening. Or you want to hear about Martians, rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay with us on the Fringe FM and stay with us on the Secret Teachings. Another episode coming up after this, an old episode, and back tomorrow night. <laughs>